This following episode of Talking Pop for the Cultured is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new broadcaster or an existing broadcaster like me looking to grow your audience and get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. Use the promo code TALKPOP for 10% off your first order. Poddex is the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify the podcast. Simply shuffle up the cards or actually use their app, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. Make sure to use that promo code TALKPOP for 10% off your order. Hello, and welcome to Talking Pop for the Culture. Before we get to your regularly scheduled program, I want to let you know this podcast is also powered by ExpressVPN. You are probably wondering, what the heck is a VPN? It is a virtual private network that protects your browsing and streaming with ease. You can install ExpressVPN on any mobile device, smart TV, laptop, desktop, and even a gaming console. So if you're planning to use public Wi-Fi when traveling, make sure to have ExpressVPN activated to protect yourself and your data and browse safely. These are the following statements from the website, and I quote, When you connect to ExpressVPN, your internet traffic goes to an encrypted tunnel that third parties, including your internet service provider, hackers, and government agencies cannot see into. It helps with privacy. Keep your whereabouts to yourself and surf with a peace of mind. When you connect to any ExpressVPN server locations, you get a different IP address and can make yourself appear in a different country. Avoid price discrimination based on location and help keep your identity private. So when you use a VPN to connect to the internet, the VPN creates an encrypted connection known as a tunnel between your device and the internet. The VPN masks your IP address with its own IP address in the tunneling process. That IP address is shared with thousands of other VPN users. That makes it virtually impossible for anyone to trace your internet activity back to you. By using a VPN, your own IP address is masked or scrambled by the VPN, protecting your location, identity, and online activity from anyone who wishes to find you through your IP address. A VPN protects your privacy and lets you browse securely. But what if your VPN connection gets interrupted? Your browser and other apps won't warn you that you are connecting without protection. That's where a VPN kill switch comes in. If your VPN drops, the kill switch disables all internet traffic. This protects your IP address and other sensitive information from being exposed. Once your VPN connection is restored, your secure internet access resumes. ExpressVPN uses an AES, also known as Advanced Encryption Standard, with 256-bit keys, also known as AES-256. It's the same encryption standard adopted by the U.S. government and trusted by security experts worldwide to protect classified information. It will take a hacker hundreds of years to get your information. You can access geolock content by using ExpressVPN by switching your location to 94 available internet servers. For me, for example, I love anime, especially Studio Ghibli films, but I have Netflix. I don't have HBO Max. I find out it's actually available on Netflix internationally. So all I have to do is I click on my ExpressVPN browser connection it switched my location to Canada. And then what I do is I refresh Netflix's browser page. I type in Spirit Away. Not only I get Spirit Away, but I also get access to the other Stubbly Ghibli films in the library and also many more content that's not available in my country. It's that simple. ExpressVPN offers 24-7 customer support. They also offer a 30-day money-back guaranteed. No hassle, no risk. Plans start at $12.95 a month, $59.95 for six months, or the more popular... $99.95 for a year with savings up to 35% off a month. They offer the best in class security and encryption. No activity logs, no collection logs. They don't even keep track of your information. They also rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot and Apple Store. Right now, listeners of Talking Pop for the Cultured get an additional three months added for free by signing up using our link expressvpn.com slash talkpop. Once again, that's expressvpn com/talkpop. Link information is available in the episode description. Now, let's take you back to your regularly scheduled program. What up, fanboys, fangirls, and non-binaries? Welcome to our edition of Talking Pop for the Culture, a pop culture like vlog podcast. I'm your lovely host of franchise, and welcome again. It's November. Thanksgiving's right around the corner, basically in a few days. And I wanted to get my hot take right now because 
As of right now, I just finished watching the World Cup. I'll get to that in a little bit. I just want to give a thing on people driving, man. Especially early in the morning. You see, I work at a warehouse. I gotta get up like at 5 in the morning, you know, and driving. And people... My God, no one drinks coffee or anything just to stay awake because literally I was driving down the street and literally there's a stop. Dude was at a stop sign. I'm driving straight. I have no stop. This dude keeps creeping up forward and forward forward to the point. I almost could. I almost, he was about to hit me. So luckily there was room on the side to swerve. But dude, people learn how to drive, man. Honestly. Wake up. Drink coffee. Drink it like a natural energy drink. Drink something with natural caffeine because... Even, come on, early in the morning, 5 in the morning, where there's hardly traffic, at least learn how to freaking drive. I'm sorry, guys. Especially right now, be careful. Especially, you know, especially with winter coming up. I know we had, if you live in Illinois last week, we had a little preview of it. But still, be careful of people driving because, you know, even though Bluetooths are legal in some states, people still don't know how to fucking drive. I'm sorry. I just needed to get that off my chest, you know. Try to get to work safe and, you know... Like I said, I don't, I work in a warehouse job. This is like this podcast is kind of like, you know, something I like to do on the side, you know. And it's just to me, it's like I want to get there safely. I want to get home safely as well. You know, I'm just coming off nursing my knee uh, right now with the cold weather. Right now, I got arthritis in my knee. Um, if you guys are not aware, I tore my knee. I, well, basically, I damaged my. I dislocated my knee ten years ago. Oh, a couple of years, a few years before, about it'll be ten years. It's been ten years since I had knee surgery. Um, so going to that, I pretty much got hurt in 20, 2009. That's when Avatar first came out. Um, just came my knee playing a pickup game of American football with friends, and they were able to help me put my knee in. Um, pop my pop my knee back in, my leg back in. Lucky no fractures. Went to the emergency room, and of course, find out a few days later, I partially tore my ACL. And of course, at the insurance at the time with the company I worked before wasn't that great and according to the doctor they had me go see they felt that since i wasn't technically an athlete that surgery wasn't required for me because i already worked in retail um so they just had to go to therapy gave me a cheap ass brace at the time and then all you know try to survive with it of course three years later you know just randomly walking down some stairs with my mom taking her shopping all of a sudden i feel pop my leg and the pain was excruciating it felt like a pop like like a balloon you know, with a needle hitting a balloon, pop. And we want to fast forward, you know, let me go get a second opinion. By now, I tore my ACL completely off. So, for me not to have that pain, luckily I was 27 at the time, and knee surgery was available. So, luckily, I got knee surgery. While the doctor was doing knee surgery, he finds out I also tore my meniscus. So, I had a hole in my meniscus. So, they had to, like, suture that up, put an anchor in there, fix my ACL, you know, took a piece of my hamstring. And stretched it out. That became my ACL. The one thing the doctor warned me was, even a year or two, that my, I'm going to start having arthritic like pains when it's cold, when it's raining, and it's going to be painful. Just to be careful. So ten years later, we fast forward ten years later. It's fucking cold outside. I don't know what I did when I was walking around. Felt sharp pain in my knee. It was bugging me all day at work. Lucky I was working eleven hour shifts, and I had time. I was over over forty two hours, so. My boss was really cool. Decides, you know what, dude? You don't look so well. Get home. Rest up. That's what I did. Got home. Icy hot it. Took some pain medication because I got to take the pain pill. Uh, Tylenol for the pain. And I wrapped it up. You know, put some icy hot. Wrapped it up. And then, of course, I will do kinesthetic tape the next day. Just uh, as a precautionary. It does help. But like I said, my knee was super sensitive. It was a little swollen. But today I woke up. Swelling's gone. Freaking arthritis sucks. I can tell you that. I feel for everybody who has arthritis. It's not the best pain in the world. That's why people need to be patient and understanding when, you know, it tells your body, it's like, you know, your body tells you you're in pain, you got to pinch it to your body. <laughs> Luckily, people are becoming more understanding. You know, I'm not in a great shape. I'm trying to get myself better. My brother, Biko, as you remember, introduced me to plant-based meats. I just had impossible patties right now. I had hamburgers made with impossible patties. I'm like slowly changing over to plant-based meats. I'm not being fully vegan. I still have my eggs and cheese because I'm a big fan of big fan of eggs and cheese. But so, not giving that up. <laughs> I'm drinking lactose-free milk just to be safe. But yeah, plant-based meats, dude. You get a lot of good calories. No lie, it's so good. I had two Impossible patties. I made two burgers, Impossible patties. Took some fries. You know, I bought like a bag of steak fries, coated them in avocado oil. 
you know, got the cooking spray, avocado cooking spray, best thing to use if you're not a big fan of eating avocados, but in oil, it's not bad. Coated them, put them in the oven, bake them just to get that fry look. And I cooked the burgers, added some seasoning with some regular, you know, American spice cheese. And, oh, my God, so good. I feel great. Um, my brother introduced me to Morningstar. I bought a bunch of that stuff today. Your veggie chicken sandwich is fire. Got some veggie sausage links. So don't lie, dude. I mean, yeah, it's pricey, but I re- I always say you should never take your health for granted. And it's awesome. So like I said, there are other options besides processed meats. I'm trying to get away from processed foods and go more into plant-based. So I'm not fully vegan, but I understand, you know, the importance of taking care of your body. So yeah, I'm still going to have my eggs. I can't go out with my chorizo. I'm going to try to get my chorizo fresh. Um, and just, you know, lay off the fast food, lay off the processed meats, and go towards plant-based. So, give it a shot, guys. Um, you know, and <laughs> like I said, this is like a vlog, guys. Just let you know what I'm doing. You know, things seems coming up. You know, things change. You know, I'm working. So, of course, um, you know, Black Friday. Um, like today, shop, grocery shopping, you know, you go to stores right now. There's like Black Friday deals, and I end up finding something for Biko. So, um, my mom calls me and like, I showed a picture of my mom about the thing I got for Beagle for Christmas. Like, oh, that's nice. And she told me, yeah, you know, with budget being this year, we're just going to just buy one thing for everyone. That's it. Just one gift. Like, it makes sense because, you know, with inflation stuff, but at least try to get something. And I got relatives coming over in Christmas next month. So I want to, you know, my mom said, oh, let's, let's, I'll take him. We'll go to Ross and try to find something there for your cousins, for your aunt and uncle, you know, just so that way we can at least say I have something to open on Christmas. So. But yeah, take advantage of those deals because I think retail is being smarter now. And like I said, you know, buying health stuff, yeah, it does cost, but it's better to take care of your body. <laughs> um, other than that, um, hope you guys are doing well. Um, of course, World Cup just started. Started like yesterday. Um, Ecuador host nation Qatar, two nothing. And then today, I was able to get up this morning and check out the matches for today. I only saw two of the matches. Um, I uh, the first one this morning was um, England versus uh, Iran. And I was happy because England won 6-2. That's one of my favorites. And, of course, I didn't see Senegal versus um, Netherlands, but Netherlands ended up winning 2 nothing. And then right now, at the, as this recording, I just finished watching Wales taking on U.S., going for U.S., Tim Weem, 34-minute <laughs> goal. And, of course, um, there were some questionable calls that these refs, I don't know. It's been a lot of calls against these refs. Like, these refs are sometimes are young referees, and there's some calls that should have been calls and calls there. But what can you expect? It's World Cup. It's football. Creates a lot of controversy, and then um, of course, Wales ties it with the penalty, and well, it, was, it actually was a penalty. So I think the question about there were some calls that they should have called, you know, yellow car when Christian Pulisic got hit or Aronson got hit, and they didn't, didn't pull yellow out. It was straight up yellow, but USA Wales end up being tied. So we're going to go into tomorrow's match, which I'm looking forward to is Mexico versus Poland, Joe Lewandowski versus Italy. So um, of course, Mexicano, go Mexico. I am an all of American. But my ancestry lies with Mexico, so definitely going to go with Mexico on that one. I'm excited. I can't wait to see Mexico play. Hopefully, L3 does good. Uh, we got Funes Mori, who's Argentinian-born, but he just made a United assistant playing in his World Cup for Mexico. So, of course, if you want to see Messi and Argentina, they play, I believe, at 4 a.m. So, there's a lot of matches today. Basically, World Cup this whole month until the 18th of December. I know this World Cup is nothing but controversy with the World Cup, with the FIFA president and his comments. Of course, I just saw some TikTok videos of, I guess they have tent services for fans and if they want to stay at the World Cup. And, of course, there's no alcohol being served, so Budweiser doesn't know what to do with the beer. Apparently, they said they're just going to hold all that beer stuff and put it, like, um, to give it, like, a beer party for the winning nation. So, due to the fact that the, the country of Qatar is ruled by, you know, a government that's influenced by the Muslim faith, which, honestly, I respect all religions. I'm not going to bash them because I got cousin-in-law that's um, in the Muslim faith, so I gotta respect their wishes. But I totally understand, so... <laughs> because, I mean, honestly, you don't need to drink beer to enjoy a game unless you got some bad issues in your life. I understand, but, dude, alcohol is never the answer. So, you know, that's it so far. Um, like I said, World Cup's going on. Um, another thing, there's a lot of news today, guys, so a lot of stuff happened over the weekend. Um, I'll, I'll get to a lot. I did see Black Panther, What Kind of Forever, which I will give a review on it, my reaction to it, which is going to be spoiler. 
So sorry guys, I'm gonna have to give it a spoiler. So like I said, that'll be more later in the recording. So I'll talk about that later. But they want to say something that hit me hard this like yesterday morning. At first I thought that wasn't true, but apparently it's been confirmed. Um, because apparently I lost another piece of my childhood again. Um, Jason David Frank, if you not know, played Tommy Oliver in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as the Green Ranger, later the White Ranger, and then of course in Zeo, Turbo, you know, and then he came back in Dino Force. Um, passed away at the age of forty nine on uh suicide. Um it's kind of hard because I see these videos of him in conventions, you know, and him doing cameos of being motivated, but apparently, you know, it's something that, you know, he was going through a second divorce. Um, he lost one of his kids due to a suicide last year. I believe it's just, and then apparently he was working on a film. Um, at first I thought it was a hoax, but his representative and his trainer, who's a, his, one of his friends, confirmed it and basically when I went on TikTok yesterday it was nothing but tributes to Jason David Frank and you know my thoughts to his family to the fans of course a lot of the Power Ranger co-stars are were sharing the message so I sent St. John's message Amy Joe Johnson released her like a song to him and um, one thing I can say you know people think yeah there's something like this, like I said, um, there's something like mental health pays in the game. Um, you think like you know, why they take his life? Why do you, people say, oh, it's an easy life? No, it's not. It's like I said, it's something that could have been like. I think it was one of those times where you know he was going through a divorce, like second divorce. You know, he had kids from first marriage, and it's the second divorce, and I think it's just the stress and stuff because you don't know how they are. I mean, he was doing cameos and stuff, but you don't know what goes on at, behind the scenes and. I just wish he would have had the opportunity to talk to people or someone reach out to him to make sure make sure he's okay and you know gets to that point where you know taking their own life is you know I don't know how much stress he was on. Hopefully he left a letter, but according to his trainer, left a voicemail to him. But he took that you know when he first thought it was kind of weird, but he wished he said it should have waited and just try to get to him right away. But unfortunately, it was too late. So. Like I said, guys, um, please, um, if you're dealing with like mental health, like I said, suicide is never the answer. And always talk about it with somebody. Always talk about it and, and, got, and people, you know, if you got friends, family, who you see are suffering, you know, with any traumas or issues in their life, leave an olive branch, like give an olive branch, talk. You know, always, because like I said, suicide is never the answer. Believe me, I went through this shit. Believe me, there were times when I, you know, with me battling with anxiety and depression, I hate using this as a crutch, but I have to raise awareness of mental health. There were times when I wanted to, you know, off myself a couple of times because I felt there was no motivation in my life that I had nothing going for myself because I always put myself on a high standard. But I was able to find that, you know, way out talking with somebody else that wasn't family you know talking with a therapist it kind of like took that weight off my shoulders I'm trying to keep my mental health in check keep it under control but right now I'm dealing with physical health as well you know I'm getting old I'm 30 fucking 7 <laughs> but like I said you know suicide is never the way out always talk about it there's a the suicide prevention hotline you know but like I said if you see somebody that you know someone you love that's having issues you know don't be afraid to talk to them it's the best thing to do is to talk things out, you know, find the source of the problem and find a way to help. So, like I said, my thoughts and prayers are to Jason David Frank, his family. You know, may he rest his peace. His fans. I know. I saw a message from like the original actor for the Dragon Zord Ranger, the Dragon Ranger from, you know, of course, the original Japanese um, Super Sentai Zulu Ranger. Um, he gave his message about it as well. But like I said, guys. Always try to talk things out, you know, you know, like I said, R.I.P. Jason Never Frank, like, that's all I saw yesterday in TikTok was a lot of tributes to him, and that was, like, the most flooded thing ever, of course, the World Cup and stuff, so, like I said, thoughts and prayers, like, I do want to give a moment of silence before we continue for Jason Never Frank.
Thank you. So, without further ado, I did want to. There's a lot of things I wanted to bring up as well. Um, sick of pulling up here. Um, I did want to talk about Full Gear. Um, I ended up ended up watching it last weekend. I ended up ordering it. Luckily, um, I wanted to go over the event. Of course, it's one of um. One of the things that everyone's looking forward to when AEW's premier events. And overall, it wasn't that bad. I mean, compare what happened at All Out and, of course, the fallout after All Out. You know, there's something that AEW had to recover ever since the media scrum between, you know, CM Punk's media scrum and, of course, his issue with the Elite and, of course, the issue of suspension and Punk's injury, the whole MJF thing coming back and the whole Punk thing where he will he come back to AEW or they're going to buy his contract, has to confirm both sides. Or how you know AEW is going to go forward? You know what the Young Bucks, of course, that all change. Uh, Dynamite before all full gear that the Elite first coming back. Kenny Omega, Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks are coming back, and of course all the matches that were lined up for the card. Um, there were some changes. You know some matches got pushed back to like the next Dynamite, especially the Ricky Starks, the Brian Cage and Ricky Starks and Brian Cage match because Ricky Starks is genuinely hurt. Um, so now the finals could be Ricky Starks and Ethan Page at Dynamite. So just to give up, that's that was one of the matches in the pre-show for the Zero Hour. Um, of course I can tell Ricky Starks was actually hurt, but so it's gonna be Ricky. He ended up fighting against Brian Cage. It was a good match between uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. It was one of the semifinals because the winner was gonna make face up Ethan Page for the final for normal contender for AEW World Championship at Winter is Coming. Especially Ricky Starks wins, despite that legitimate injury. And of course, um, the next one was the the ten man tag between the best friends, with a mystery partner Rocky Romero, Orange Cassie, and a mystery friend against the Factory with Nick Camarado, Aaron Solo, QT Marshall, Lee Johnson, and Cole Carter. It was a great match, and of course, um, we got to see the return of I guess the evil Dan Housen. I guess it's like a gimmick he had a ring of honor list, the evil version. Except for very nice very evil, just to get the evil version. It was gonna match, of course, Aaron, you know, Orange Cassidy's popular everywhere. Especially I love when he comes with the backpack and he has the all electric championship in there. Of course I like with the factory, how they're developing, you know, they're like the stables of AEW Dark. And I liked it. So it was a good match seeing Rock and Roll back in Roppongi Vice and just seeing that. It was a good match. I have to give it a good good match with that. And then um of course the so I ended with um, Eddie Kingston in his dream match against Jun Nakayama from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it was a good match with Eddie Kingston, just, you know, because that was his dream match. And Train Blow for Blow, you know, was the biggest match in his career. It was a hard-hitting match. I like the respect that Eddie Kingston showed for Jun Nakayama. I was trying to see him start Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston grabbed the mic and started, like, hyping up um, AEW because he saw, like, he was trying to have the fans and, like, you know, Try to get out there. <laughs> it was funny. He kept cutting him off. He's like, he's like, oh, I gotta go, go. He's like, enjoy it. Order. He's like, you got one minute to order the fucking pay per view. It was like hilarious and stuff. So, see that. Um, and then of course we got the skeeter return of Soraya. You know, if you know as Paige from WWE in his first in her first match in five years, taking on Doctor Bray Baker DMD. You know, it was good return to her. Um, I know when she came out, there was some ring. I can tell some mat in the match. It was like a little bit of ring rust. And, you know, this is her, you know, this is Saria, you know, she had to work hard to come back from a neck injury. Same was like Edge or Daniel Bryan coming with serious injuries to finally be able to get clear. And, you know, Edge coming off almost an 11-year hiatus. And for Saria, five years, you know. Daniel Bryan, the same way, you know, almost like two, three years, you know. And, you know, she didn't mess up a bit. Um, You know, it was a great match. It was um, kind of a technical match, but... Overall, it was great seeing you know, Serena. She looked in great shape, and of course, she ended up picking up the win over to Britt Baker. Um, then they had um, Sting and Darielle versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Um, of course, Jeff Jarrett coming in uh, for AEW not only as like on-screen talent, but also going to help with business at the backstage area. So we got to see that as well. The team with Jay Lethal, we saw a lot of teenage chance with Jeff Jarrett and Sting. Uh, it was like it was qualification on either way with Sting and Darnam taking out the win versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Then we got the Steel Cage match, which actually opened the pay per view with uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Christian Cage trying to get his ass, got to get involved with it. You know, Jungle Boy, not a, like, it was, you know, 
honestly, I can see the fans like the steel cage match, but it was good to see. It's it's hard to see like two people that were like you know tag team partners for a long time and going at it, and you know Christian Cage just being trying to save LA while nursing an injury as well. But you know, for is what it for is what it is, but it was a great match. You know, there's you know Jungle Boy did get some color. <laughs> Um, but damn, that freaking elbow from the top of the cage! Oh, at the you know, just on the table was freaking crazy. Overall, that was a great match. It was a good match. It was decent. Um, the other matches, you know, Sting and Darby Allen versus Jericho, it was all right. You know, Sting still trying to show that he can still move it. Um, then we had the TNC Championship match between Warlord Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, and of course, you know, the battle of the big man. It was going either way. Um, Samoa Joe ended up coming out on top, and now he's got two belts to ring on our television championship and the TNT championship. We'll see what happens on, you know, on Dynamite. It's crazy taking the belt off of Warlow, but I think he, I think it's just I I think it's a way for Warlow. You know, he was over with fans, but I think it's better for him to get more over. You know, they're trying to move up power House Hobbs as well. You know, it's to get rid of the team Taz thing. So I can see the work they were trying to do. Um, Ring of Honor World Championship. You know, Claudio Castagnoli versus Brian Anderson versus Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho. Damn it, I wanted Brian Danielson to win. People were hoping it was a great match. Everyone was going against each other. Really good spots. You know, Sammy Garrett doing a spot against Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho doing a spot against Sammy. Claudio doing something on Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson doing something on Claudio. So it was like every man for himself. But somehow, someway, Chris Jericho found his way to win. <laughs> Retained that championship. So he's going to go to um, final bat- Ring of Honor Final Battle in December as Ring of Honor World Champion. And we had the All Elite Wrestling World Tag Team Championship match, which was the acclaim for Swerve Our Glory. Also, another match special with Max Caster with his um, shots to um, Trump, you know, <laughs> Twitter and all that stuff. It was funny. And then, of course, Swerve Our Glory, we pretty much held the breakup between Keith Lee and, and Swerve. Akili just walking out and Swerve and the acclaim of winning and retaining. Then, of course, the big thing was the Ali Wrestling World Trios Championship match. The, the Death Triangle, which is Pac, Ray Phoenix, and Penta Cero Miedo, taking on the returning Elite. Of course, the Elite in fashion kind of reminded me of Supernatural when it came out to Carry On Way Where Son by Kansas. Oh my god, dude. Just the whole crowd started screaming and just seeing the, the Elite coming back. I mean, come on, they were on the, on the builders up, AEW, one of the foundations, and him coming back. And then the fans walk in the back, sing along to carry on with their song. And of course, the biggest thing was during the match, they were chanting F Foxy and Punk because, you know, all this shit that happened, you know. I can tell right now they have a Being the Elite just came out on YouTube right now. And it kind of talks about that as more, so definitely check that out on YouTube. Um, overall, I wish the Elite were going to win, but I guess at the press conference they announced that it's going to be a series of best of seven, so we're going to see more of the match. It's kind of like baseball, so. With uh, Dev trying to bring it off the first win. So there's going to be a best of seven matches between the Elite versus Dev Triangle. So we'll see more in the future. I think it's just trying to make the Elite kind of earn those belts back, not just win right away. You know, I guess to give Dev Triangle some more prestige with the belts at least. Then we had the Women's Interim World Championship match, which featured Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. But before we get to that, I do want to mention the TBS Championship. Between Jay Cargill and Nyla Rose, and uh, I, people kind of felt stupid in this match. I enjoy it because Jay, Jay Cargill came out in a Chitara look outfit from Thundercats, but I think what it was, and it may not, it probably appealed to the older generation, probably not the new generation, but it appealed to me because, you know, Thundercats was one of my favorite cartoons growing up, and Nyla Rose, you know, and Vicky Girl paying tribute to Eddie, you know, riding the low rider to the arena, and, um, Vicky Guerrero wearing an Abby or Mommy shirt to tribute to her husband. <laughs> um, a lot of people like to sleep on Jay Cargo, but if you think about it, in the last two years with the pandemic, she's been like developing, she's been getting better and better and better. I was great they had Nyla Rose work with her. Um, and she's getting better. You know, it kind of shows that, you know, she's like she's being made as one of the faces of AEW, along with like Britt Baker, you know, being one of those pillars, being one of the foundation too. And like, she gets better and better. So, you know, yeah, a lot of people fell asleep in the match. I saw people walking to go in the bathroom. I saw in the video, a lot of people walking to the bathroom. and People trying to fall asleep in this match, but I enjoyed it. You know, get props to both both competitors. And Jake Hardy came back and got her belt back finally. 
you know, technically he was the champion. Um, and then we had Jamie Hayter, who was my pick going into against Tony Storm because honestly, back at all, everyone wanted Jamie Hayter to win. And it was a big hard fought match to the point, you know, Brig tried to get involved, Rebel tried to get involved, but it was all Jamie Hayter. She was able to win it. So we got to see some title changes. And it was a great match. Um, and then, of course, the one we're all been waiting for, MJF. You know, he came back at All Out. It was supposed to be MJF versus CM Punk. That was the program. And, of course, what happened at the media scrum, that Punk getting hurt, and then the suspension from Punk. So they pretty much had to cut that whole story. MJF just using that chip to cash it in. Of course, they had the championship tournament at Grand Slam, in which Mox ended up winning and becoming the three-time champion. I think the first two-time champion in AEW history. And you know, in this MJF match, it was really a hard front match between both competitors. And of course, Regal at the end, people thought, oh, Regal's going to be involved with John Moxley. But at the end, Regal ended up passing the, put the ring away from MJF, passed the brass knucks to MJF. MJF ended up using them on Moxley. MJF gets the win. So MJF deserves a win. I want MJF to win because I think it felt the way they were building it up to this match. And the way, you know, how MGF kept making things like the whole bidding war 2024, because that's when his contract is up. And just how he was able to take things from a personal standpoint when he, him trying out as being a wrestler, you know, talk about his interaction with Regal in the past. And it brought like a personality to this, to this like story. And just seeing a, finally having a huge champion besides Kane Omega be a champion. So it was kind of a big change of pace. Little Gary Ron, Jock Moxley carried this company on his back for a while. You know, great for him because he went through a lot of demons when it comes to alcoholism and finally get himself clean and come back better than ever. You know, hats off to John Moxley, respect to him. But MJF, dude, the, the greatest heel of 2021, so he was heel of the year. You know, great promos, great in the mic, you know, as competitors, not bad as well. So I wanted to play some audio from, I think he made some noise at the media scrum, so he tried to get people going on a music just to keep himself in character just to show his frustration and stuff so I wanted to play some video some audio from it for you see we take this about two minutes and 31 seconds so here you go MGF at the media scrum all the times they are changing you wait your turn baby people pay to see me not you let's talk shall we AEW is now destination television once again the ship has been steered properly once again. This belt is now the most important belt in this entire sport. And it states the three letters. And it damn sure ain't AEW. I know for a motherfucking fact it ain't MOX. It's MJF. God damn you people are fucking dumb, man. No offense. No offense. You had sympathy for the devil? What are you fucking stupid? You morons bit on every single word I had to say this past couple of months, huh? I want to earn it. I want to fuck that. (laughs) I deserve it because I'm the best wrestler in the fucking world. And every single one of you know it. On the microphone, in the ring, nobody can touch me. That's a fact. Nobody is on my level. And then, to think you guys still believe me when I put over this motherfucker this past Wednesday... Grow the fuck up. No offense. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> no offense. Well, let's talk a little bit, huh? Uh, MJF, what's going on with you and Regal? You know, we're all really interested. What's going on? How'd that link up start? You think I'm going to tell you, dumb motherfucker? Huh? With 70,000 fucking hardcore marks watching at home jerking off in their grandma's basement? Oh, huh? my God. To my velvet voice? You think I give a shit? No, if you want to know anything about the most important man in professional wrestling, you gotta tune in to the MJF show. That's every Wednesday on TBS. And you know damn well, that is now Destination TV. Now here's what's gonna fucking happen, okay? I'm gonna take a shower. I'm gonna get all Moxie's disgusting hepatitis A through Z off of me. And then, in the morning, I'm going to do what nobody else on the roster does, because I'm the only real fucking star here. I'm going to hop on a jet, and I'm going to go to my goddamn movie set. Anybody got any questions? Huh? Just kidding. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Yeah. I, oh, my God. That was, like, one of the promos that came out of me as from. It was great. Um, and the movie set, if you're not aware, he has got a part in the movie they're making about the Bond Eric. He's, he's got a bit part in there. Well, but wow, 
that that was like the best thing ever. You know, it kind of tops off what CM Punk said at the last PS Crumb, but you know, that takes like courage to be like a manager, like being keeping that character at MJF and just trying to give his real stuff and how he just addressed me. That was freaking hilarious. So, like I said, congratulations, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, you know, MJF. Can't wait to see what happens on Dynamite um, Thanksgiving Eve. It's going to be on this Wednesday back at the Wintrust Arena. Well, let's see how the fans react to him coming back to Chicago, even though it's a pro scene in Punk Town and especially the Elite as well. We'll see what happens. But tune in AEW Dynamite. Check out Full Gear, order pay per view, you know, order replays. It's great. AEW coming in direction. Of course, we got Survivor Series War Games coming out later this week. Um, I'm going to try my best to watch that, but you know, with the World Cup going on and stuff. So, check that out. So now, now back to the then one thing I wanted to address that I just saw, especially WWE. Um, they're talking about you know with that coming in and stuff. You know they got they changed decided to change things up for um, for you know for Spider Man instead of being the traditional Spider Triple H trying to change things, make WWE more exciting again. By change, doing a world game, um, war games matches with both men and women, with pretty much no Raw versus SmackDown, you know, just based on you know how the stories are going. So for the men, it's of course the Bloodline, Landline, Bowen Reigns against you know against Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, and you know Sheamus, Butch, and Rich Holland, the Brawling Brutes. So I don't know what the women's side have to look into that, but. I'm interested to see how they do how they do stories of war games. You know, seeing war games besides NXT being probably show because I don't think they're doing any NXT specials. So because Survivor Series on a Saturday this year, they're trying to do more of a pay per view or premium live as they call it on Saturdays. So <laughs> wait and see how that goes. Um, have to check it out. One thing I didn't notice, um, Popeye. Remember Popeye the Sailor Man? Apparently, they're actually there's a company, the publisher, um, is actually um. King Feature Syndicate, who owns the rights of Popeye, just announced that um, they are actually making a manga of Popeye. Um, and according to this article by comicbook.com, written by Megan Peters, um, it says here, publisher King Feature Syndicate plans to prove the truth to fans with the help of a special kind of... It's called I Lied Pat Popeye, plans to bring the infamous tailor into the world manga. An exciting tale will pay homage do some of Shonen's best series. It says, a recent announcement by King Feature Syndicate confirms I Like Popeye plans to blend manga and inspired artwork with, cartoon, with the cartoon character's quintessential style. It's going to be written by Marcus Williams. The series plans to show readers just how Popeye lost his eye all those years ago. And I just saw the, the panels and that basically you can tell it's playing a much Dragon Ball Z and, and it just looks interesting. It's like a take on drag of the Shonen thing, and it looks interesting. It's got that manga esque type of look. And it says here, Online Popeye will mark the character's first manga inspired run. If you're going to see the sailor try to out the man for size, it, it, this guy was inspired by a viral transfer between one Popeye and Goku. This is um, with the publisher, who's the publisher's editorial director of comics, says, We've been exploring the idea of a manga style style for Popeye, and once we learn of Marx's manga style Popeye fan art, it's going to become favorite across the internet. We knew that he was the right person to bring this to life. Popeye's been a stable on funny pages for 90 years. It's incredible to continue telling the passion of his lore. And it says here, it's going to be an online comic. So it says, currently, I like Popeye. It's going to be a full arc on the web. The first arc will go live a period of five weeks, and each page will be available to view for 24 hours. So definitely check that out if you want to see Popeye in viral form. So in a manga type of form. So definitely check that out. Okay, now. Nitty gritty, the full discussion, the full review, or my reaction, my take on Black Panther, what kind of forever. Just to give you a heads up, spoiler alert, I'm gonna spoil the shit of this film because this is the final film to end the phase four of Marvel as we're approaching the phase five, which will start next year with Ant Man the Wasp Quantum Mania releasing on February. So, spoiler for you guys. See the film already. Come back and finish this. Come and listen to this review. Otherwise, if you want to hear the spoilers, like I said, spoiler alert. Spoiler warnings for this take. I'm going to 
spoil the shit out of the movie. Like I said, just listen to the first part. Well, watch, listen to the first part of this episode. Then watch the film. Come back and listen to my of my review of What Kind of Forever, because I want you guys to experience this film. Find a theater that's reasonably priced, because honestly, the theater by my house, best you know, Cinemark Tinseltown. Shout out to you guys. You know, price you said for a matinee versus going to another place paying almost like fifteen dollars for a ticket just to sit in a fucking recliner that you could probably get at home. Instead of sitting what a theaters are supposed to be. In a stadium style seating. Of course it's a seat by person. But still, it's much more comfortable. I understand the whole luxury of recliners and stuff. I'm there to watch a movie, not have a fucking meal. Just to go sit in the movie. If I want to sit in a comfortable recliner or comfortable home, then stream it. But luckily with this movie you cannot stream. You gotta go to the theaters and experience. You know, you gotta save movie theaters. That's something you gotta protect that medium. Okay? So now I'm getting it that way. Let's start talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever. When they were announced they were to work on a sequel, you know, with Chadwick Boseman uh, passing away in 2020, you know, from colon cancer, you know, it's something that, you know, that hit fans hard because how can you follow Black Panther as well as a film, Ryan Cooler? You know, how you, how you take that, come back, go back to that universe again without, you know, T'Challa? And I could tell it was hard for him, hard for the cast members to think about doing this project, you know, without Chadwick. But overall, you know, they were able to pull it out. And the theming, and then when they announced who the antagonist was, is like to bring back a character that people would not be familiar with, a character who was basically the anti-hero. He's kind of like the Black Adam of the DC universe, of the Marvel universe. Think of if you want to look at it at that standpoint, but I like for a fact they took this character and decided to take and use a culture to inspire this character, so it doesn't get confused with you know Aquaman. Because we already had Aquaman in the live action standpoint, you know with Jason Momoa as Aquaman. But I like for a fact they took this character out of Namor, of Namor, or how they call him Namor, and they took that character and make it. To you know, take that origin because if you're not familiar with no more, let me pull it up for you guys. I'm gonna give you a history about Namor. He's also known as a submariner. And it says here he was free. This is from the wiki page, so like I said, I'm gonna read it what the wiki page is. Um, he first came out in 1939. His bio is here we go. Namor was the mutant son of a human sea captain and a prince of the mystical undersea kingdom of Atlantis. Namor possesses the superhuman, super strength, and aquatic abilities of the Homo Varanus race, as well as the mutant ability of flight, along with other superhuman powers. Through the years, he has been portrayed as an anti-hero, ultimately as a good-natured but short-fused superhero or a hostile invader seeking vengeance for sea wrongs that misguided from his goals committed against the kingdom. The first known comic book and anti-hero Submariner had remained a historically important and relatively popular Marvel character and served directly with the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the Invaders, the Defenders, the X-Men, and Illuminati as well as serving as a foil to them on occasion. So, I understand why they had to change it because they didn't want no confusion with Aquaman and I kind of like for the fact that they decided to go with the character inspired by Mesoamerican, by the Mayan culture, by Mesoamerican ancestry. Which I did like in this one, which I will get back to, but seeing that character being announced, because I think maybe one of the work tells was uh, Black Panther and Two Kings, because I bet you that was something, you know, Rocket had in mind. But if you remember watching Endgame, they said they were hearing like earthquakes or something around Atlantis, I think that, you know, they, they brushed it off. That's my thing, is, oh shit, Namor's gonna make an appearance. And my thing was, how are they gonna take this character? Are they gonna just have another widow? Or a white person playing, but I like for a fact they decided to go with a Mesoamerican origin, you know, instead, and having Tinoa, a Mexican actor, you know, Hispanic, a Mexican actor take on the role and give him, like, kind of like this, you know, Mayan esque Mesoamerican inspired character origin, just tweaking a few things, but still having the same abilities, has the outfit and everything, and the wings and the feet. Dude, and the point ears, awesome. Like, they did a really good job with it. I love it. So before we get to that, we'll go back to the story. So going back to this production, though, my thing, my expectation for it was, how they're gonna top it off a of Black Panther? How they're gonna make this work? You know, with 
you know, without Chadwick Boseman and how the staff, how they're going to reply and, you know, coming back to work on this film. And they did not disappoint, you know. I can tell, like I said, it was really hard for Pied them to do it. I like the fact that they did some nice tribute to him. Because I said it was going to be a big tribute to um, Chadwick Boseman. And, of course, you know, what's going to happen with the, with the character of Black Panther moving forward? Because, I mean, we lost Iron Man. We lost the original Captain. But seeing the rise of, you know, Sam Wilson taking on the mantle of Captain America, you know. Of course, Thor is still being around. Hulk still being around. But, of course, with She-Hulk, you know, we've seen the rise of Miss Marvel, Moon Knight. All these heroes making an appearance, you know. Wanda and, like, Doctor Strange stepping up. Spider-Man having to deal with his shit. You know, what's going to happen with the the kingdom of Wakanda so it kind of answered our questions there and I like for the fact how they were able to work away uh, the child off you know how he passed his way and, and I loved the way this film was it was more like I understand based on the trailers you could tell it was going to be something between you know Namor and his people Dalakan and taking on the people of Wakanda but it's funny how it's usually something like a dispute or something over or something like my brain comes into play. And like I said, like one of my co-workers told me, basically it's between African-Americans and the, and the Hispanic or community going against each other over in the actions of a colonist. <laughs> of a white person, like a white faction getting involved in. And no limit of a colonist. So it was really interesting. How they keep referring to like the guy is a colonist. It's kind of funny. Uh, to um, yeah, Martin Freeman come back as uh, Everett Ross. The colon- <laughs> they call him the colonist. It's just funny. Um, so how they're gonna bring how to bring this conflict between the two side two kingdoms basically, and you know it's all started with you know with Shiri trying to find a way to, you know basically it starts off with you know T'Challa dying from illness. You know off camera he's dying from illness and Shiri feels that they could try to grow that heart shaper that got destroyed by Killmonger in the first in the first film. And she tries her best to try to create it. It's but I guess she trying to kinda of get introduced to her AI. She's trying to work hard, trying to find a way to bring that plant back and unfortunately it's too late. And it, it opens up with the whole like the funeral procession for T'Challa and the coffin with the Black Panther logo on there. And just the celebration. It was really great. It was a really powerful scene. I was like almost about to cry. Because it was like. I think it was a way for them to say goodbye to. Someone they worked with before in the Black Panther film. And like a friend. Co-worker. And just seeing his, the mere pace of his mural. Just to show like a tribute to him. I can find this movie open up with you know. You know how Marvel has that opening signature. I like the fact they were just showing Chadwick. In his whole form. Which I did like and enjoyed. Of some nice tribute to him, and you know, and just just a way to pay homage to T'Challa to that character, and closing that chapter. And you know, now this film's gonna shift over to Shuri, how she's dealing with the loss of her brother, and you know how what kind of recover. So it goes back to one year later, where you know, you know, other nations are trying to steal vibranium, which is you know, the precious metal. Has you know that's how the suit is made. That's how the trade is in Wakanda. How they were able to build the city all around it with the plan, and of course you know Captain America's shield was made from it. And, and they're trying to force Wakanda to try to turn in like Queen Ramunda. You know T'Challa and Shuri's mother takes the throne again, and she's being pressured by United Nations to try to share, try to open up trade with vibranium and share it. But of course, you know, Wakanda has their own, you know, thing about it because what happens if it goes to the wrong hands? And you can see this is the whole thing about how, you know, it kind of is a shot to early, our early ancestors, how nations back then, when they see a nation that has this resource that's benefiting them, they want to take it. They want to force that nation to try to share with them or by means try to use force and kind of shows what happened where. Luckily, um, the Wakandas were able to stop this attack by mercenaries, you can tell, by the French government. And it's funny, it's embarrassing that, that at the meeting, these mercenaries get led to the room, and you can tell you see the French delegate, and of course, she's embarrassed, and like, so then, again, again, the CIA and U.S. try to
and then it's funny too like Ramona tries to tell Shuri to try to get a research and then it goes back to Shuri trying to get Shuri to you know continue to research on the heart shaper trying to find a way to bring back his fam but Shuri keeps saying oh Black Panther is dead it's just the past they gotta find new ways she starts creating wants to make these new suits for the warriors and just move on from Black Panther and of course it's just back to the Atlantic Ocean where the CIA and US are using a, a barbarian detecting machine to try to look for barbarian deposit on the water and all of a sudden you know get to do deep sea divers going down there and of course they end up getting attacked by these blue skin uh, water bringing superhumans or live by, who are led by Namor or Namor see Namor without love um, and of course they first you know see is thinking it's Wakanda being involved because of the vibranium and stuff um, of course, eventually, uh, Ramona and Shuri are pretty much, um, Ramona ends up taking Shuri out just to be alone and they're trying to do this whole thing. It's been a year in mourning. They got out, you know, the tradition of Wakanda. They got out, you know, um, bit like burn their, you know, funeral clothing as a way of moving on and stuff. And then, of course, she doesn't want to do that. She had the whole role born for this. And of course, um, And of course, Namor, you know, ends up confronting them. We get to see Namor when he makes his debut, and he's got the wings and everything. He's a he can breathe like in the air. He can breathe on the water. Um, he has his wings on his ankles, just like his character does. The outfit, just like his character. Uh, it pretty much blames Wakanda for the vibranium, but um, he wants he feels that the nation should work together and tells them to find the scientist that's responsible for that machine or he'll attack Wakanda but he tells them not to tell anybody about this or else Wakanda will be you know in danger so they end up like Shuri and Okoye end up going I guess to the point where Shuri could get tasked to go to the US to find Everett Ross who was like pretty much like <laughs> they're pretty much liaison um, who owes his life to Shuri and T'Challa for saving him and of course, uh, he ends up giving him the information that there's a student named MIT student named Ruby Williams, who you guys know is Ironheart. I kind of like they kind of introduced her to the story and how they wrote how they wrote her into this. I could tell, and I love the fact that she's a Bulls fan. That's kind of funny. From Chicago, so the character's from Chicago. She's an MIT student, and apparently, uh, they tried to help. Like they were amazed that she she built that thing and. Of course, the FBI was, was telling them. And of course, the Namor's warriors go after him. There was a little battle, like between the, the warriors and Okoye, and of course, um, Shuri and William. Uh, you get to see like a little tribute to Iron Man one because you mentioned Star Tech. You could tell Ree was inspired by Tony Stark, and they see the first prototype is kind of similar to like Tony Stark where he built the first Iron Man prototype it was kind of cool like the effects look great and stuff it's just like the dialogue between the characters is great um just the just the like the, the voice of the people from Talokan um and just the fact they're speaking Mayan which is great you gotta see more like a diverse of languages in this film and you know then of course uh, Ramonda ends up so Shuri ends up um, surrendering herself and and Ruby to them and the stance that they don't get hurt. And then um, I guess the way Ramona ends up going to find um, Nakia who's been living in Haiti since the attack since Thanos attack in Wakanda. Um, of course we get to see Namor's origin. Uh, we get to see a little backstory about Namor's origin. How he came in to be which is kind of cool and see how it says here he's known as Kuklan which I will give a little history about the of that because it's basically Kuklan is a Mesoamerican serpent deity that is worshipped by the Yucatanic Maya people the Yucatan Peninsula for the Spanish conquest of Yucatan the picture of the feathered serpent is presented on the cultures of Mesoamerica so I like that they name after that and basically the name more is basically talking about the you know himself like talking about like how he came to be about how his people at that time you know they lived in the Yucatan Peninsula and how after the Spaniards came and conquered they got hit with smallpox and they were trying to find a way to cure it and find this plant 
and they plate pee to the gods, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have taken this plan. I can tell it's going to vibrating rich soil, which gives them superhuman abilities at the cost of them losing their ability to be on the land. And of course, they give it to his mom at the time, and his mom got sick, and I guess it made him live a little bit, made him live a little bit longer as well, because I guess the vibranium, and then you know, comes back as a kid. Because he wanted his mom wanted to be born, or be buried in, at the soil that which she was born in. So he took him to the surface, saw that people were getting subjugated by the Spaniards, and then when eventually he gets that nickname, "No more, no love." And you get the, and then you got, I like the artwork they use, that Mesoamerican art, artwork, and I like the fact it's just the whole movie's like underwater, just the cinematography making the scene with water. It's kind of awesome and great. I love the effects from it, and then we see Julia Louise Dreyfus like reprising roles for Latina Gleca de Fontaine um, Angela Bassback as Ramonda um, just you know it's like you want to sympathize with them more but at the same time and then we finally get to hear the word mutant mentioned in an MCU movie because of course Mia was mentioned in Miss Marvel but we got to see the first name that calls himself a mutant because he was you know his mom was human and she was pregnant at the time when she drank the elixir that was made from that plant and that we gave him the abilities you know with the wings and able to ability to breathe on land and water also have the you know strength so it was the first time they mentioned mutant MC before they were saying inhumans or power people but it was the first mention I kind of like how they did this origin with my with um, them more and I enjoyed it um, just taking that character making it more diverse which to me this cast was really diverse and I loved it um, and we got to see an appearance by Killmonger because uh, eventually, you know, Shuri end, ends up succumbs and they end up making the little elixir. And of course, you're supposed to see your ancestors. She ends up seeing Killmonger. We got to see Michael B. Jordan come back as Killmonger. Let's go see that as well. And it, like I said, um, seeing that and then some footage from, you know, Bozeman as well and just the, the fight scene. How Ramunda's death, which was really powerful, how she gets killed just by trying to save Yuri. Because the way the weapons that the Dalek, the people from Dalekan have using water as a and just using like sonic like hypnosis like inspired by like the sirens of Greek mythology and the way they're getting hypnotized, people getting hypnotized, they're getting dive in the water and just the fight between Shuri when she finally takes on that mantle of Black Panther, you know taking the elixir and making herself strong and that fight between her and Namor to the point where it gets really hectic and to the point where Namor finally yields and because she finally understands where he's coming from and how she thought she was driven by revenge but at the same time she doesn't go down the same path as Killmonger did she has to show that she's stronger than that I kind of like this was like a more of a coming out story for for um Shuri as well just Screaming or death of her brother and just taking on that role of bringing that Black Panther back, that legacy back, and just, you know, just, and then of course, the mid credit scene, spoiler again, um, it shows like Shuri uh, visiting um, Nakia and Haiti, and finally, her finally taking that time to burn that bearer, that cloth that she held on for so long that finally burning it. Um, Nakia ends up introducing this, little, this child named Toussaint. He says, oh, that's my Haitian name. He's like, my Wakan name is T'Challa. Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa. So she has a nephew. <laughs> so Nakia and T'Challa had a kid. And we'll see what happens and goes from there. And just just how this movie and kind of like, it was a change of pace. Like I said, it was a change of pace of what was going on in the world right now. And I like that Marvel's trying to go into that route, making these characters diverse, different cultures, you know, changing up the genders, changing up the cultures, changing up the backstories. Just to adapt to the times, people, you know. I could tell the combo peers should be like, oh, you should be from Atlantis. It doesn't change. But I, I loved it. And then having, you know, the Nukheta, and then, you know, using other languages, um, you know, language using Wakanda, the, the language, the Mayan language. Even Lapita, Lapita Nuango finally using Spanish in one scene using French and using like Spanish as well and using my hair speaking my but you should see when I was watching like the interviews with Lupita and how she's happy she got to use Spanish for once in the film 
Because people would be surprised. She was born in Mexico. I read about her in, in an interview. Which, yeah, she, her, she was born in Mexico. Like her dad at that time. Her dad was Kangen, but he was te- he was a, a professor teaching in Mexico. So she was born in Mexico, and then she got raised in Kenya at age of three. But she technically has citizenship in Kenya and Mexico. So she is technically Mexicano. This is the cool thing is like the whole, oh, you know, you know it's the whole stereotype. I again, you don't look Mexican, but it's like it doesn't matter. Like it, you're part of that land. Wherever you're born, you're part of that land. Doesn't matter. People look, it's funny how people look at your ancestry versus like, for me, I'm American, but my ancestry is Mexican. So it's like because my dad came from Mexico, my mom was born here, but her parents came from Mexico. But if it's say, if I born, if I was born in Mexico, it'd be the same thing. I'll be Mexicano. I was born here in the U.S., so I am American. So, like, if I was born in Germany, I'll be considered German. It's just, that's your nationality, not your race. It's funny how people use Mexico's race. That's why we try to use these gender, these um, racial terms and, like, Latinx and all that stuff to describe it. But ethnicity would be Hispanic or something, or Latino, or, or, like I said, but their nationality is more of American, like, you know, like I said, American. But, like I said, I pay homage to my ancestry because my ancestors came from Mexico. Even though I have... Even though I did DNA tests and I have a lot, of, you know, European blood in me, but my recent street is in Mexico, so that's why I kind of like embrace that culture. But I like for a fact, like I said, with this film, having these languages, having Mayan, having you know, language of Wakanda, having Spanish and French, like having these different languages in this Marvel movie, kind of shows, you know, just how, and just the overall message how. Nations go over, go against each other over a minor, over an incident that's caused by a third party, based on blame and just greed, and then eventually it comes to understanding. It's just this film kind of opens up your eyes, kind of shows that what happens when one nation supposedly has something that's really powerful, and other nations want to get their hands on it by any means necessary. Eventually causes a conflict. That's what's going on right now with the rest of the world, with you know Russia and Ukraine, and you know, and that's what happens. And the whole world's watching that. But overall, this film, just that ending, and I love the fact that just this show, like a little, and then I like for the fact at the end, at the credits, they show like Chala um, staying in the astral plane, and it says dedicated to Chadwick Boseman, our friend. You know, they had a picture of him and everything, and. And it was just saying like a goodbye to T'Challa, one well, last goodbye to him. I like the that the AI is um Trevor Noah is the AI and <laughs> uh, so it's kind of cool. And it was uh it was a great film. That's all I can say. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. I love the effects. I love the how they get they did it as a flashback for like you know Namor's origin, Namor's origin. I love the underwater city of Talokan, just how those actors were able to <laughs> breathe in the water and stuff to do those shots. And just, you know, the, the costumes, the story. I enjoyed the effects, the fighting effects, you know, just the scenes that, you know, I like the little bit of humor they had in there and that suit that um, Koya wears was freaking badass. Blue armor suit she has a wearing. Um, I understand having Everett Ross in there a little bit. I felt that he didn't get as much screen time. Julia Louise Dreyfus, unless you watch the other films, you'll have to understand her character. But we know that she was uh, Ross's ex, I guess. But you have to see her in these other... I think she comes on Black Widow, I think, as well. You have to see her in that. But other than that, you know, check out the movie. And, of course, it was an opening of introducing um, Ruby Williams as well. As well, just having, you know, Ruby Williams starting, you know, getting her introduction to the MCU. But we'll see more of her in Ironheart that's come out next year. So, like I said, check out this film. Um, if I have to give it a good rating, I'll get it. I would have to give this film five stars out of five. I couldn't find anything wrong with this movie. It was just, you know, a fighting fitting tribute to Chadwick. Shuri taking the spotlight, taking the reins, carrying on the torch. Name Wars, you know, call to action, his introduction to the MCU, and why he needs to felt he had to protect his people, but at the same time, you know, try to get what kind of open their eyes and be on the lookout that, you know, they're not alone, that both of their users could be, you know, they had the common thing of vibranium, how 
you know, they will that other countries will not stop until they get that medal. And just you know, we'll see how this goes with this like with this um, you know, alliance. We have to wait and see how this alliance go plays out. As we know, we have to wait because the next Avengers movie won't be out until twenty twenty five. We'll see what that new lineup is gonna be. Like I said, it was like I said, that was a good fitting end to the MCU phase four. Now I gotta go back and watch Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, those shows I forgot to watch. Black Widow, like these films. I might have to go back and watch all the MCU again. Up to when we eventually get, you know, Black Widow comics, whatever on Disney Plus. But definitely go check out the movie. Definitely check it out. It's in theaters, everywhere. Go check the movie. It's probably a good way to watch it for Thanksgiving. Um, and that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. So, wow, over an hour. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving this week. Uh, watch the World Cup. There's plenty of soccer. Of course, NFL action on Thursday. Check out Black Panther. Um, that's it. Thank you so much for this week. I'll catch you guys again next week. Uh, make sure to check out my merch at threat at talkpopculture.threadless.com. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at podcall85. If you want to be part of the podcast, make sure to shoot me up an email which will be posted at the episode description, but also tweet, tweet me at podcall85. You can like the page on Facebook at facebook.com slash top 20 Check out the backlog of episodes on our home platform, Anchor, but also on Spotify, Google, Apple, and whenever you get your podcast. I'll see you guys again next week. Happy Thanksgiving. As always, geek on and take care. 